0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Arnie's. We are three hopeless romantics with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and don't you all think Mickey Rooney should have had even more
1: scenes in Breakfast at Tiffany's?
2: I'm Keith Baker, and does Colin Firth ever smile?
1: And I'm Austin Terry, and I would happily let Ryan Reynolds take me on an Alaskan boat ride. On today's show, we are returning to our bracket format, this time to once again ponder what
0: is the best romantic comedy movie? But before we get into all that good stuff, I'd like to start today's show with a question. Which of today's male leads would you want pursuing you if you were
1: the romantic interest in a rom-com? Oh, that's a great question. And I'm going to be quick and I'm going to be shallow. I would pick Ryan Gosling just because I want to live at his house from Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, You know what? I'm going to take the same movie, but I'll uh, I'll take Steve Carell.
0: Oh, <laughs> nice. A guy that likes a little conversation, I see. <laughs> I'm glad you guys both took that movie because I'm going to pick none of them because they're all creeps to me. <laughs> you sure you don't want to be with Hugh Grant? I mean, on the surface, I guess it seems cool. But then when he's your boss and he's like slapping everybody's ass when they're walking by, it's a little like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about this guy. <laughs> So last year, guys, I don't know if you remember this because we've done like maybe 11 or 12 brackets at this point, but our romantic comedy bracket from 2021 had some friends and family members actually criticize our picks because A, they didn't like most of them, (laughs) and B, they felt we left too many good ones out. So the movies we're talking about today, we didn't actually pick. We each had other people submit movies for us, so that is going to make this a new thing bracket-wise for us, and it should be super fun. Austin and Keith, let's start off our bracket episode like we always do. Tell me about your experience watching these 12 movies. Did you feel there were several good ones, maybe some greats? Any that super let you down? Was it a slog? How are you feeling going into this discussion? Yeah, this one was a fun ride. I would say,
2: I don't know if I had more fun this time than the last time. I think it's about the same definitely have some stinkers in here where I was like, I cannot wait for this movie to be over. I kept checking the time. It was like 90 minutes left. Or 90 minutes left. I was like, what? <laughs> Lots of really weird characters in some of these that I can't wait to get into with you guys. Then there's actually some really cool characters that I actually really enjoyed. And I was like, oh, this, this is kind of a fun movie. and I hope hope this one kind of makes it towards the top once we uh, battle it out. But yeah, other than that, it, it seems like uh, I had to cram a lot of movies in pretty quickly. But... I got through it and um yeah, it's good old rom coms. Had a good time.
1: Yeah, I would say this one was a bit more of a slog for me than last year for sure. I will say watching these was was fun this time around because my wife picked my four. So it was fun to watch those with her and like talk to her about like why she liked these movies because she picked some of her favorites. I am with Keith though. There's some weird ass characters in this bracket. There's some good characters too. I think overall though, we have a lot more creeps than like charming relationships this time around.
0: Yeah, I think that's super fair. Like Austin said, it was fun to have other people pick the movies because we've never done that before, and it kind of gave this exciting aspect. At least, I don't know about you guys, but for me it worked out because I'd only seen one of the movies that was submitted. I I, did not even seen three of my own movies here, so it was fun to watch some of these for the first time. And even if I didn't end up liking them, I think the reputation they have kind of will make this bracket an interesting conversation because there's a lot of classics on here. A lot that I'm surprised didn't come up last year. I think in large part, it's because we hadn't seen them before, so we didn't really have any opinion on it. So I think that's going to make this pretty fun. So while I think maybe I might lean more towards Austin this time in terms of like watching these movies was a little bit of a slog, definitely some greats in here. And of course, we have some classics for sure. But there was one in particular that we'll get to. I hesitate to call it this because I know none of us pick these movies, so I'm not trying to offend anybody but it was horrific
1: (laughs) i can't wait to get to it (laughs) i have two movies that i would label as horrific actually matt so i'm excited to get to those um and to your point i actually saw 11 of these 12 movies was my first time seeing these movies so this was easily the bracket where i've had the most brand new movies to watch for sure and i want to clarify my horrific statement because i have i have one that was so boring to me it was horrific and I have another one that was so creepy to me. It was horrific. So two different, two different horrific statements there. All right. So also, I went back and listened to the
0: beginning of our episode from last year, and criteria-wise, we kept it pretty simple. We were looking for a strong balance between both romance and comedy. We also wanted to see some fun side characters, but that was kind of all we ever talked about. So considering a year has passed and we didn't select these movies, which provided a fresh perspective, is there any new or different criteria
1: we need to talk about? For me, chemistry is going to be a big one this year, because like I said, there's a lot of creepy relationships in here, a lot of ones where I just could not buy that these two would actually be in love. But then there's some dynamite chemistry in a few of these movies, and I was like, ooh, these people might be dating in real life. So chemistry is going to be really important for me this time around. It's so funny you say that, Austin, because there are
0: some okay movies in here where like the chemistry is fine, but then there are some bad movies in here where the chemistry is incredible like,
1: what? Like, it was really weird. So I'm excited to get to that too. I think also comedy is going to be fairly important this time around because I think we have a lot more romantic movies than comedies this time around. And last year, I think we had more comedies. So I think because some of these leans a bit more heavier into the romance, the comedy doesn't always stick as well. And I need that romantic and comedy aspect to work in a rom-com.
2: For sure. I think I was I was kind of leaning that way as well, Austin. Yeah, there was definitely some in here where I was like, this was a good movie, but I didn't really find myself laughing a whole
1: lot throughout it. All right, so we got chemistry and we got comedy. Matt, do you have anything else that you want to throw out there? Honestly, I don't think so. That's really the big thing I wanted to talk about, too, is we didn't
0: really talk about chemistry specifically last time. We talked about, you know, do these actors, like, do their characters make sense together? But for whatever reason, this year, these movies in terms of like how the plot pairs these characters together and like just their chemistry that was something i was noticing way more it sounds like you guys did too so that was my big addition to the roster this time around where we have to take that into account i think
1: all right well it sounds like we've got our uh, criteria established chemistry and comedy are going to be key this year for a movie to win all right let's get into this we're talking the
0: best romantic comedy round two So finally, before we get started here, we won't be repeating any of the movies we submitted last year. So if you're curious about our thoughts on A Night's Tale, Chasing Amy, 500 Days of Summer, Lars and the Real Girl, Meet the Parents, Crazy Rich Asians, About Time, Silver Linings Playbook, Shrek, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Wedding Crashers, or When Harry Met Sally, go back to that February 2021 episode in our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts or on our YouTube channel to see what we had to say.
1: Man, Chasing Amy. Oof. That's a
0: problematic movie. Oof, that would have fit in well this year with that category. Forgot about that one. (laughs) So, with that, let's leave the past behind and get into it. Keith, how about you let the audience know about our one-seaters today? The one-seaters for today are The Princess Bride for the romantic
2: side of the bracket, Breakfast at Tiffany's for the oddball side, 10 Things I Hate About
0: You for the more comedic part of the bracket, and Clueless for the problematic part of the bracket. All right, there you go. Those are our one-seaters. Everything that wins in the first wild card round will go on to face one of those films. Let's get into it.
1: All right, to start us off today, we are entering our more romantic side of the bracket, and we have definitely maybe versus You've Got Mail. You've Got Mail came out in 1998. It was directed by Nora Epron and stars Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Parker Posey, and Greg Kinnear. Um, it tells the story of two people in an online romance who are unaware they are also business rivals. And then 10 years later, we
0: had Definitely a Maybe, which was directed by Adam Brooks. It stars Ryan Reynolds, Abigail Breslin, Isla Fisher, Elizabeth Banks, and Rachel Weisz. This one's about America's favorite hot dad, Ryan Reynolds, who has to tell his daughter her favorite bedtime story that presents the classic conundrum. Should I be with Elizabeth Banks, Rachel Weisz, or Isla Fisher? God,
1: what a problem. I know. <laughs> it's kind of weird that Ryan Reynolds' bedtime story for his daughter is all the women he's been banging for the past 10 years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so goofy. All right, guys. So I'll just, I guess, preface. I'm curious your thoughts. I guess we know Austin since you had not seen most of those. But I had seen definitely maybe a fair amount, I have to say, on this list. But I had never seen You've Got Mail. I've always known it's a classic. So this is kind of a fun pairing for me. I watched Definitely Maybe Again. Still really enjoy it. There's definitely some quirks about it that make it a little bit weird. And the ending has one kind of device that makes the character really hard to root for. But I have to say, while You've Got Mail is outdated for sure, just based on its premise alone with like the AOL instant messaging. I still thought overall it was was kind of a good watch. I kind of enjoyed it. So what do you guys think?
1: Yeah, like you said that this is my first time seeing both of these. Um, I thought definitely maybe had a really fun mystery element of its story of figuring out who his wife is. Kind of has that "How I Met Your Mother" feel to it. Um, you've got male uh, definitely dated. It it didn't do as much for me as definitely maybe did. I do think Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan give good performances, but I like the chemistry of Ryan Reynolds and Isla Fisher more in definitely maybe.
2: Yeah, this was my first time seeing both of these as well. I think they both had some good comedic moments. Ryan Reynolds. All of his little weird stuff that's going on with his job and and then how he just runs into these girls randomly was always kind of funny. And then the fact that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan or Tom Hanks knew the fact that Meg Ryan was his uh, chat room buddy, but didn't let her know. And just kind of how he kind of how he led it on for a while was pretty cool and kind of
0: kind of made it mysterious and funny and all that. Yeah, because that could have been really, really creepy. The fact that Tom Hanks knew, like he finds out like late in the movie that, oh, wow. so. This person I've been kind of battling, so to speak, like who's going to have the better bookstore is actually the person that I've like been, you know, in love with, I guess, online. And that could have been really weird that he knew and she didn't. And it still is kind of clunky at the end. But overall, it kind of genuinely felt like maybe it's because it's Tom Hanks, who's like, you know, America's sweetheart. So it's like it felt like he was just trying to be her friend. And then it's like now we love each other. So. It was weird, but it still kind of worked, whereas Definitely Maybe's ending, I really like this movie throughout, and then he drops the bomb. Hey, Isla Fisher, remember when uh, you told me that great story about how your dad died, but he wrote this really beautiful note to you in your book of Jane Eyre? Like, that was pretty cool. Well, guess what? I know we live in New York, and I actually found that specific book, and I was going to give it to you. But I know, classic thing. I accidentally got jealous because you were dating somebody else and I kept the book for myself for 12 years. (laughs) It's like, I like this movie so much. And that ending is so bad because it's just like, why'd you keep the book? And it's like, I needed something to remember you by. It's like, dude, that's what you do with like a (laughs) t-shirt, like a CD. You don't (laughs) keep a book from her father.
1: I I totally agree that the ending, they definitely do not stick the landing there, but definitely maybe. I do think the overall story, though, outweighs the ending for me, because I I had a really good time with the story. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And with You've Got Mail, I think the chemistry is only there for Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan when they're chatting. I don't really like their relationship in person. Tom Hanks' character can be a little bit hard to root for, because like
0: he's super sweet online, but then he seems to really enjoy, actually, kind of his job of burying all these smaller local bookstores like, if he felt weirder about it maybe it would be easier to root for him but he kind of seems to like it which on the one hand it's fun to see Tom Hanks do a different type of role but on the other hand it's like well I don't really
1: root for him so much and there's that weird dynamic with like his dad's kids in the movie oh it's yeah it's kind of a weird storyline that was weird
0: yeah and, and his there's...
1: grandfather's daughter who's like four years old
2: <laughs> yeah and his dad's his dad's like new or supposed to be new wife is flirting
0: with him <laughs> Which, they never resolve that. Yeah. <laughs> that was weird.
1: I think we've gotten to a point where we've got to vote because yeah. we have a lot to get through in the wild yeah. card. Um, I'll cast my vote. I'm going to vote definitely, maybe.
2: Yeah, I think the story does a little bit more. Uh, like, well I, well, I do agree with you guys, I don't really, really like the ending too much, but I think the story was a little bit more capturing for me. So, yeah, I'll go with definitely, maybe.
0: All right, our first round is a unanimous call. I'm kind of with you. Like we said, I think the ending of definitely, maybe kind of crashes and burns. And it's like, why did you make that decision? But the story leading up to that point is kind of surprising and fun and different. So it kind of outweighs that bad, like you said, Austin, so I'm going to vote for it as well.
1: And don't worry, in the next round that we talk about definitely maybe again, I will be bringing up the Rachel Weiss character. As we should, as we should. Alrighty,
0: so let's go ahead and get into the oddball side of the wild card round. These kind of just focus on movies that We didn't really know where to place. They have elements of romance, elements of comedy, but there's also kind of a a weird aspect to both of them. I think you'll understand when I get into them. So, Keith, you want to start us off? Yes, we got Crazy Stupid Love came out in 2011, directed by Glenn
2: Ficarra and John Requa, starring Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Julianne Moore, Emma Stone, Marissa Tomei, and Kevin Bacon. Steve Carell is a recently divorced man and certified doof. He meets Ryan Gosling, who decides to make him sexy and confident. If only Ryan could have met and helped Steve's son, who is a 13-year-old creep that won't leave his babysitter alone.
1: (laughs) And then we have Bridget Jones's Diary, which came out in 2001. It's directed by Sharon Maguire and stars Renee Zelliger, Colin Firth, and Hugh Grant. Bridget Jones has to do the impossible as a single woman, decide if she should sleep with her boss that enjoys sex with harassing people, or the nice guy Colin Firth. Golly, these decisions are so tough. (laughs) Both of these movies, I think, have a pretty significant reputation that precedes them. That's a good point. Yeah. Bridget Jones's Diary is one that I had seen like bits and pieces of, but I
0: don't think i would ever seen all the way through. Um, And it definitely has that kind of early 2000s pedigree, whereas Crazy Stupid Love, like you said, Austin, for whatever reason, I mean, I watched the movie and I really do enjoy it, but it's like this one has become kind of like a millennial, maybe now Gen Z, I'm not sure, but people really do like and talk about this movie a lot
1: yeah i think with crazy stupid love the cast and all the performances are so great um there's there's full of actually really good chemistry in this one with both ryan gosling and emma stone and then steve curl and julian Moore. i really actually do like both the relationships in this movie uh bridget jones's diary i don't like either one of her options in this film i think i mean obviously hugh grant is a creep who should probably be in jail (laughs) for all the sexual harassment stuff he's done um and then colin firth i just think is like kind of bland and he's like, he says, like, one nice thing to her, and then she's like, oh, I love this yeah. guy. Like, they, I don't buy their relationship at all, either. That's what stick out to me, too. <laughs> My favorite
2: thing about Bridget Jones' Diary is just Renee Zellweger's funny, like, goofy moments.
0: She's really good at it. Yeah.
2: yeah. Just all the, the stuff that happens to her in her apartment, the way she drinks and smokes is kind of funny, <laughs> and it's like the way she eats, and like stuff's always messing up, like with the blue soup and all that kind of stuff. All, like, the British humor in it really got to me, and I like I the, the comedy side of this one more. Colin Firth, I just don't. I I think he's a good actor, but it's like everything he's in, he just never
0: smiles. It's like, this guy ever play a happy dude? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, definitely not in this one. And they had the opportunity to do it earlier, I felt like. They could have had him- They give so much time to the Hugh Grant story. Yeah. Like, he could have, like, popped up earlier in the movie, and, like, she's in love with Hugh Grant, which, like, look, I mean, we understand probably why somebody would find Hugh Grant attractive, but then he's constantly, like, slapping ass at the office, like, messaging somebody like online, like via the work email, like how much he loves her like boobs and ass and stuff. And it's like, I don't know. (laughs) It's a little bit
1: weird. I mean, if I had to pick Creep Factor, it'd be Bridges Jones's Diary for sure. There's so many creeps in that one. They got the news people that are like constantly putting her in a short skirt on national TV. Okay, I don't disagree with you, Austin, but we do have two creeps to talk about in uh,
0: Crazy Stupid Love. We have this weird 13-year-old boy who won't leave his babysitter
1: alone. He's going to grow up to be Hugh Grant and Bridget Jones' Diary.
0: <laughs> That's actually not a bad point. But then we also have his babysitter who is also, I don't know, I, I get to 17. She doesn't know where she's at in her life, but still feels like a really creepy storyline. Like, it's, it feels like they were trying to build, like, okay, the kid loves his babysitter. Is there going to be, like, some sweet resolution? Not that they should be together. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, is she going to like put him down, kind of? Will that work? But then, ultimately, her story kind of evolves into, I'm in love with Steve Carell. I'm going to send nude pictures of myself to him. And that's kind of it. And it's supposed to feel gratifying? Like, I it's kind of weird. Well, I guess it, it's supposed
2: to feel gratifying because her dad pretty much flips out at the end and she's in trouble, yeah. I guess. So she does suffer the consequences of doing that. Yeah, that's I guess true. you could say.
1: I do like the way Crazy Stupid Love kind of builds to its finale. Like when the dad rushes over to the house and there's the big fight, like the way all the storylines kind of collide and coalesce, I found it really exciting and interesting. And I do think there is like a really sweet speech at the end of Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. Um, and I like that kind of all the relationships at least end on a good place. So you don't know if maybe... Steve Carell is going to reconcile his marriage. Um, but I, I like that, like, things end kind of positively for all the main characters. And I like that they don't know for sure. But you get the
0: idea. Maybe it's just because Steve Carell and Julianne Moore had such great chemistry that you think that they will be able to work it out. And nothing too bad has happened that they can't, which is kind of sweet and kind of fun. Um, the best line of the movie is still, for me, uh they set up Ke- – Kevin Bacon is barely in this movie. He just plays David Lindhagen, who is, like, <laughs> the one that had the affair with Julianne Moore. And whenever he shows up at the house at the end and they all get in a fight and then the cop comes and is like, who's David Lindhagen? And then everybody else, like, holding up, like, tissues to their nose to stop the bleeding. He's like, Lindhagen. <laughs>
1: It's like, it's <laughs> I love the opening when they're talking about the divorce and Steve Carell just gets out of the car while it's moving.
2: <laughs> I, I just love all the bar scenes. So Whenever Steve Carell's trying to flirt and stuff, it's hilarious. He's like, I wouldn't sleep with you if my life depended on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Steve Carell and uh, Ryan Gosling have pretty great chemistry. Uh, I wish we could have seen a little bit more. I remembered Emma Stone being in this movie way more. Um, but she and Ryan Gosling do have good chemistry. Um, so, yeah. I, I did like Bridget Jones's Diary. I want to go back to that real quick and just say that. I had a good time with it, but maybe it just feels a little bit dated. And by the end, it's like they didn't have enough Colin Firth screen time to, like, adhere to him. So, like, whenever he and she get together, it's like, kind of who cares? Whereas by the end of Crazy Stupid Love, I'm, I'm kind of feeling where everybody's at relationship-wise. So I think I might vote for that.
1: Yeah, I will absolutely vote for Crazy Stupid Love. Bridget Jones' Diary was fine. Um, it definitely did not live up to the reputation that it has because I was once again watching this for the first time. Um, Crazy Stupid Love I actually did really enjoy and found it did live up to its reputation.
2: Yeah, this is an easy one for me, Crazy Stupid
0: Love. But you guys know that Bridget Jones's Diary is one in, out of three movies? I actually might watch like the second one at least because I know they're both in it. And the, I'm really curious because Hugh Grant's in the second one, so I want to know how he comes back into it. <laughs> right. So I like the first one enough that I have to know like what happens. <laughs>
1: Well, and the third one came out like 10 years later. It's called Bridget Jones's Baby. I know. Yeah. I know. Also, shout out, because we're not going to talk about it again.
0: Renee Zellweger from Texas doing a very great and believable British accent in this movie. Yeah. So
1: shout out to her. Way better than Benedict Cumberbatch's American accent. Yeah, you know, I don't believe in fairy tales about energies or jackers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Crazy Stupid Love will go on to face Breakfast at Tiffany's in round two. And moving into our more comedic side of the bracket, we now have Leap Year versus My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, leap Year came out in 2010, is directed by Anand Tucker, and stars Amy Adams and Matthew Goode. A real estate worker heads to Ireland to ask her boyfriend to accept her wedding proposal on Leap Day, when tradition supposedly holds that men cannot refuse a woman's proposal for marriage. Things get complicated, however, when she hires an Irish innkeeper to take her to her boyfriend in Dublin.
0: And then we have My Big Fat Greek Wedding from 2002. Directed by Joel Zwick, this one stars Nia Verdalos, John Corbett, Lainey Kazan, and Michael Constantine. It's about a middle-class Greek-American woman who falls in love with an upper-middle-class white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, and her family isn't too happy about it.
1: All right, so I mentioned at the beginning that I had one movie here that was so boring it was horrific to me. Whoa. That movie is leap year. Okay, Austin, let me jump in too, because
0: I mentioned at the beginning one horrific movie. I did not say because it was boring or otherwise. I just thought it was horrific, and that's also leap year. <laughs> really, <laughs> I am <laughs> I so surprised. I'm so
1: glad we're on the same page. I thought this was trash. I did not enjoy it at all. I'm
0: definitely higher
2: than where you guys are. I'm so, <laughs> so, what? Let's get into it a little bit. Well, so try what, and sway us, Keith. Like, talk about it
0: a little bit, and like, tell us what you liked about it.
2: Maybe it's a setting I liked. I liked that it was set in Ireland. I liked, sure, um, just like all the little stuff they stopped to do. I liked the, I like the little bed and breakfast scenes whenever the old Irish couples are. Telling them you can't travel on a Sunday, then they make them like kiss the table and all that, and how uncomfortable they were. And I just thought Amy Adams and Matthew Good had pretty good chemistry. And oh, I thought they had zero chemistry. Well, let me get to the ending here, but I don't think they had good enough chemistry t- to really justify them getting together at the end, and for her traveling all that way to go back. I don't. I didn't really believe that. Feels like he liked her more than she liked him. I think it was more the comedy moments that I liked about Leap Year, and just like kind of the. I always like road trip kind of movies. Um, that's kind of where
1: I'm at. What did you guys not like about it? The biggest thing for me is the chemistry and just the overall plot. Like I unlike you, Keith, I didn't find anything they were doing interesting. They're fighting and bickering the whole movie. Some of the stuff Matthew Good has to say I thought was really funny, but I don't buy that they're like even remotely friends. And then at the very end when it culminates in the big proposal, I honestly felt bad for Adam Scott. Like he didn't really do anything wrong. He just got like out charmed by an Irishman.
2: He kinda did something wrong there. He only proposed to her just so they can get into the apartment.
1: Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. Of all the movies on this bracket, though, Adam Scott is like the most innocent <laughs> sure, bad he's not, guy. He's not trying
0: to sleep with his sister. So I guess that's better than most, <laughs> but still not great. I'm, I'm with you, Keith. I, I didn't like that either. I did like the setting, though. Um, it was fun seeing this type of road trip movie in, you know, like an Irish setting, which you don't get to see a lot. So that was nice. But I guess where it falls apart for me is with what you were saying, Austin, which is like. I mean, this is like a few hour long drive, and I know maybe that's just my knowledge. So it's not, I guess, a big deal for a lot of people, but I was like, Ireland's not that big. Like, what's the big deal here? And they had to stop constantly. It took them days to get there. They stayed multiple nights in one place. I don't know. It just, I didn't find it super funny. I love Amy Adams. She's a great actress, but. I don't know. I guess maybe she couldn't really sell the relationship with this guy. I also think Matthew Good, who I quite like, he was just being kind of funny, like you said, Austin, but he also couldn't really sell the relationship either because he was busy supposedly just having to make quips the whole time. So by the end, it's like, I don't know, if she had flown to Ireland or he had flown to America and they had been like, let's try it out, maybe that would have worked. But it's like after all of this slog of just like not really caring about the character development, not caring about the backstories, not caring about the laughs or the romance or anything. And then it's just like, if they had said, maybe let's just try it out, that would have been something. But it's like, no, let's get married. And it's like, okay. And it's like, Ugh, I don't know. So I wanted to like leap year, but unfortunately, just really did not.
1: Um, so we are gonna give my big faculty wedding its due in round two. But in the spirit of moving on, do we want to throw our votes here really quick? Well, hold on. Okay. I agree with you. I'm voting for that. But Keith, if you have strong feelings about leap year. Do you want to vote for that over my Big Fat Greek Wedding?
2: While I did like Leap Year,
1: I liked my Big Fat Greek Wedding better. Got to give a shout out to Ian. He's the most normal guy in this rom-com bracket. Oh, yeah. We'll get to it. Don't you worry. We love you, Ian.
0: So now for our last part of the wild card round, let's go ahead and get into a movie that focuses on a problematic aspect. (laughs) That's all we kind of limited this one to. So guys, take it away. I don't think these are going to need much explaining.
1: Alright, we first have The Proposal, which came out in 2009. directed by Anne Fletcher and stars Sandra Bullock, Ryan Reynolds, and Betty White. When a head of a publishing house is about to get deported, she forces her assistant to marry her, but he weirdly seems okay with it. Hijinks ensue when they then visit his family and learn to love each other in the span of three days. Alright, and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days came out in 2003.
2: Directed by Donald Petrie, it stars Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey. Benjamin Barry is an advertising executive who, to win a big campaign, bets that he can make a woman fall in love with him in 10 days. Unbeknownst to him, the woman he is after is trying to purposely push a guy away in the same amount of time so she can write about it in her how-to column.
1: All right, so The Proposal is a movie I have seen the most out of everything in this bracket. I actually, like, weirdly really enjoy The Proposal. And I think the dynamic between Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds is super fun. Power dynamics, of course, all out of whack. But their rapport is really great in this
0: one. This one might be the most interesting wildcard round for me. And to set it up pretty simply, I don't know how you guys feel. I think overall, the proposal is probably a better movie. In fact, I think it is a better movie. But I don't think the relationship is necessarily better. That's not what I'm trying to talk about. I just think Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey have, honestly, some of the best chemistry on the bracket today so while i think that movie is worse and the story is really kind of hard to follow (laughs) with like okay right yeah he needs to win this campaign for some reason but he has to fall in love in 10 days oh and here's kate hudson and she is writing a a column because katherine hahn got dumped i guess so that ties into it and then so she has to purposely push away somebody while it's all confusing their chemistry was so good it kind of carried me through the movie Whereas The Proposal, I like both Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds, but because of the plot of the movie, I kind of felt like their chemistry was pretty forced and it didn't really happen until the end. And then by the end where it's like, I'm getting deported. I'm going to make out with you in the office. Let's get married. It's been three days. It didn't really work. Whereas How Does a Guy in 10 Days, it's not the ending work. It's just that their chemistry was so much better. It's making me a little bit hesitant here. It's a little bit tough for me because that's a big part of the bracket
1: for me today, the chemistry. I actually really dug the chemistry in that proposal. I don't buy that they're like head over heels for each other, but I buy that they want to like actually try to make a relationship work. And I actually like that that's the aspect they set up at the end where it's, I want to propose to you so then we can date. Um, with 10 Days, uh, I think Kate Hudson really makes this movie. She's really funny. All of her scenes where she's like just messing with Matthew McConaughey, I thought were really great. I actually did not buy their chemistry at all, though. I don't buy that they would fall for each other. And I I really hate that at the end, she's got this great opportunity to move to DC and do what she wants to do. And then he's just like, no, give it up for me. No,
0: give it up. I know I didn't, I know you gave up your job and I like got a way better job and I'm not having to give it up, (laughs) but be with me. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a weird element. (laughs) I can agree with the ending part of it. I
2: really like the comedy and how to lose a guy in 10 days. So like you said, Austin, I love all the stuff that Kate Hudson does to, to mess with um Benjamin Barry, whatever his name is. Who cares? <laughs> it's uh, McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> McConaughey. The poker scene is fantastic. Yep. In uh, 10 days. The poker scene is so funny and the when the dog pisses on the table like twice. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Every time. Uh and then just McConaughey's like persistent like, oh I guess I gotta deal with this if I want her to love me in ten days. And him just sighing all the time and just putting up with it was hilarious. So the comedy definitely takes it for me. But I think I do agree with you the relationship's a little bit better in proposal so i don't know i'm kind of tied here right now i can start off our voting for this one i'll vote for the proposal i'm gonna go with how to lose a guy in 10 days
0: i don't really like either of these but i don't know which is better uh yeah i think when it comes down to like side characters and stuff i think how to lose a guy in 10 days maybe had it for me because as much as i love betty white the use of, like, Mary Steenburgen and Craig T. Nelson as the parents was just making me laugh for all the wrong reasons in the proposals. just like, I found this random guy in the barn who's looking to deport your wife, so don't <laughs> tell your grandmother <laughs> about this. It's, like, so <laughs> stupid. But at the same time, of course, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days is, like, maybe 20 minutes longer as a movie. And it certainly feels like it because they're Ugh. really trying to sell you on, like— the fallout from this bet and from like her column. And then it's like, wait, we're going to get together. But then Matthew McConaughey, is just like, I have a great job here. Don't leave. And she's like, but I left a great job here. Can I leave? And he's like, no, I'm Matthew
1: McConaughey. And the bet doesn't even seem like that big of a deal. They're both doing the same thing to each other.
0: Well, it's definitely a big deal. But the thing that I think you're saying, Austin, that's really stupid is that Matthew McConaughey is like, look, it was just a bet. I I know it was stupid. I shouldn't have done it. And she's like, how dare you? How fucking dare you? But she never is like, I was purposely trying to break up with you so I could write a story about it. <laughs> <laughs> so the bet was a terrible thing to do, but they never really acknowledged what she did. And she's, she's way worse to him than he is to her. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Th- this is the first time in a while. I think I enjoyed How Does a Guy in 10 Days More. The proposal is so formulaic. They introduced Malin Ackerman as his ex-girlfriend, and I forgot by the end why she was in the movie. <laughs> um, so I don't think it's better. In fact, I, I think most parts about it are worse. I prefer Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson's uh, relationship and their chemistry. But for some reason, the proposal, I guess it feels a bit cleaner. feels a little bit more like I can root for Ryan Reynolds, maybe. Whereas like uh, How to Lose a Guy, I, I'm not really rooting for either of them. So at least I can root for somebody. I don't feel good about this, guys, but I think I'm going to go vote for the proposal. Man, I, I hate saying that.
1: <laughs> Oof. I love it. I love to hear you say it. Move it on, baby. Move it to the finals. The finals? I don't know about that. <laughs> well, actually, now that I'm looking at what it's going up against, it probably will. <laughs> well, the proposal will move on in our problematic bracket to face Clueless in round two.
0: go ahead and get into round two we're gonna see some one-seaters go up against our previous winners and we're starting of course with a classic the princess bride from 1987 directed by rob reiner which stars robin wright carrie ls mandy patinkin fred savage peter falk and andre the giant this one is about a grandfather who tells his sick grants in the story of a farmhand named wesley accompanied by companions befriended along the way who must rescue his true love, Princess Buttercup, from the odious Prince Humperdink.
1: And the Princess Bride is facing definite maybe, which beat out you've got mail in the wild card round. So I want to start this by throwing to somebody else,
0: <laughs> Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, I suspect you and I will feel similarly here, but I'm All so right. so curious. Again, Keith, I can't speak for you as somebody that like grew up watching the Princess Bride. This was like a movie that, as a kid, I was like, I don't want to watch that. And then when I finally watched it, I was like, holy shit, <laughs> And it became one of my favorite movies as a kid. So, of course, there's nostalgia tied to it, but I want to start by throwing it to Austin. The fact that you'd never seen The Princess Bride is super interesting to me, and I, I want to know so badly what you thought of it, looking at it from 2022.
1: Yeah, I had, I had never seen The Princess Bride all the way through. So I had seen bits and pieces. I knew the characters and some of the references. I really enjoyed it. I think the characters are fantastic and The Princess Bride. I think the story is super funny and charming, but the thing that really won me over are the individual characters and how they each kind of fill their role in the story. And I would say The Princess Bride has some of the best characters of any of the brackets in this in this competition today. Princess Bride for me is kind of a mix
2: between like Shrek and um, Monty Python. Kind of has like that, that same kind of humor from Monty Python mixed with the like the storyline from Shrek. I think that's a great comparison. Yeah,
0: too. yeah. I love the framing device, how it's just a grandfather telling a story to his grandson, and over time you keep cutting back, and it's like you see the grandson in real time get really kind of hooked on the story. And I think in large part like, to what you said, Austin, is like if somebody watching a movie, it's because the characters are so good. I you want to know what happens to them. I will say whenever I first started watching it, I was like, okay, this movie is still incredible, but for a best rom-com bracket, are we going to be able to vote for it? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, the romance is there for sure. But then once you get past like the intro, I feel like it starts once they're climbing the rocks and Indigo Montoya's fighting Wesley, and then it transitions to fighting Andrew the Giant, then Vizini Sean. and then from that point on, there are so many just out of nowhere laugh out loud moments that just totally get me. The fight between Indigo Montoya and Wesley is incredible because the fencing like looks great, but then it's like, I am not left handed. And it's like, I am not either. And it just keeps switching back. <laughs> like you're laughing and it's like it just gets you. And it's just so good watching Prince Humperdinck being actually put off by the fact that he's like Christopher Guest as the uh, six fingered man. I was like, do you want to come down to the uh, the lair of art where we torture people? And he's just like, ah, no, I have to set up a war. I have to get married in a few days. I have to kill my wife and frame it on somebody else. Ugh, it's so exhausting. <laughs> it's just, it's so good. And then Christopher Guest, like, earnestly is like, you deserve a rest. <laughs> it's like the comedy works so well. It comes out of nowhere.
1: I want to give the character of Wesley his due because I, I think he's a great rom com character. He's so charming. He's so funny. He's not creepy. He has this one singular mission, which is to win the love of his life back. And Indigo Montoya, I, I thought their dynamic is great. Um, honestly, their relationship might be better than Wesley and Robin Wright's relationship and it's also fun it's like an extra little
0: bonus with a movie like this uh, if you want to call it a romantic comedy not only are we getting the great funny moments from Inigo and the great romance from Wesley and Robin Wright's character Buttercup but then you're also getting these like badass moments i mean i genuinely feel like a top 10 movie moment of all time is just the Inigo Montoya versus the Count fight which starts with him of course in a close up saying My name's Ending Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. But then whenever that transitions to like where he's been stabbed with a knife and then he's fighting it off and he keeps saying the phrase and it ends with guarantee me anything I want, like anything, like I want my father back, you son of a bitch. It's like, it's just an iconic movie moment. So we're getting these moments on top of like the romance and the super funny moments as well.
1: So how do we compare The Princess Bride to something like definitely maybe? Well... (laughs) It's funny, now that I think about it, both of these movies have the framing device of telling a story to a child. Mm, Good point. I didn't think about that.
0: Um, I do think the best part about Definitely Maybe is that the entire time you're watching it, it's like you want him to be with Isla Fisher. But you always, in the back of your mind, you're like, well, clearly that must not be the person he married because it just doesn't seem right. There's something off about it. It's like, I guess that's not right. I don't know. And then you find out, oh, Elizabeth Banks, who a character that we had written off earlier in the movie, who just comes back and that ends up being his ex-wife. So they really do in a great way play with like the how I've met your mother trope, but just like in the span of an hour and a half as opposed to like nine seasons of TV.
1: You, you mentioned the mystery there. That's actually something I, I think that Princess Bride does not do well is with the mystery of who is the masked man.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure.
1: But my friends, it is time to vote who would like to start us off for The Princess Bride versus Definitely Maybe. I think I know
2: where I stand. And I don't know if you guys are going to like the answer. Mm, Rewatchability? You're damn right, brother. (laughs) Hell yeah, let's do it. Rewatchability with Princess Bride. I think that's a movie I could always put on.
1: Is there a movie that you don't watch once a year? (laughs) Every year. (laughs) Every time we do a bracket, you're like, I watch this movie once a year. I always have my go-to movies. I put on every year. Go. I like it. Keith had 365 movies. It's uh, Monday, March 11th. This is, the, <laughs> this is the day of the year I watch <laughs> The Princess Bride. Um,
2: and then other than that, I think it's just a classic. I think it's a little bit more funny than Definitely Maybe, which I think that's why
1: it kind of takes it from me. I'll go with Princess
2: Bride. It takes it just a little bit more for me.
1: I do think the mystery in the story is more interesting in Definitely Maybe, um, but the characters of The Princess Bride vastly outweigh the story of Definitely Maybe, so I'll also be voting for The Princess Bride.
0: I will as well. I think it's a classic, and it's a classic for a reason. I didn't hate a single thing you said there, Keith. I think you nailed it on the head. Um, Yes, while there are some highlights, and definitely maybe, I think it definitely might be an underdog in this bracket. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. But overall, The Princess Bride, the characters, ending, the journey along the way, everything's so good that, I mean, it's hard not to vote for in this case. So I will, of course, as well, vote for The Princess Bride.
1: All right, well, The Princess Bride will move on to the semifinals, and uh, to find out what is going up against The Princess Bride, we now have Breakfast at Tiffany's versus Crazy Stupid Love. All right, we got
2: Breakfast at Tiffany's, which came out in 1961. It is directed by Blake Edwards. It stars Audrey Hepburn and George Peppard. It follows the story of Holly Golightly, a naive, eccentric cafe society girl who falls in love with a
1: struggling writer. All right, so I've been on a bit of a hot streak, I feel like, with these old movies. I've been talking about a lot how I've, I've discovered recently that I like older movies, and I just recently voted for The Princess Bride in our last matchup here. That being said, Breakfast at Tiffany's is everything I hate about old movies. <laughs> this movie was a slog. It's very boring. It feels outdated. The performances feel like they're from a different world. Uh, there's some very problematic racial characters in this movie. You didn't like Mickey Rooney? <laughs> uh, there was nothing about Breakfast at
0: Tiffany's that I enjoyed. I'm going to start off my piece, Keith, if you don't mind, by reading a quick quote from a 2008 interview when somebody asked Mickey Rooney what he thought of the criticism that this film had received based on his portrayal of Mr. Yuniyoshi, um, who, if you don't know, by the way, people, Mickey Rooney is a very white man uh, <laughs> playing a <laughs> Japanese man. This video came out in 1961, like Keith said. This interview was in 2008. And Mickey Rooney says that he has never once heard about any criticism that this movie has faced. Rooney said he was heartbroken about the criticism. Blake Edwards wanted me to do it because he was a comedy director. They hired me to do this overboard, and we had fun doing it. Never in all the more than 40 years since we made it, not one complaint. Every place I've gone in the world, people said, God, you are so funny. Asians and Chinese come up to me and say, Mickey, you are out of this world. Rooney also said, if he had known people would be so offended, I wouldn't have done it. Those that didn't like it, I forgive them. And God bless America. God bless the universe. God bless Japanese, Chinese, Indians. All of them. Let's have peace. Oh, my God. (laughs) Mickey Rooney is living under a rock. He really is because he's dead. So now he's like in the ground somewhere (laughs) under a rock. If anybody didn't like it, I forgive them.
1: God bless America.
0: (laughs) God. Yeah, Breakfast at Tiffany's was like a two hour movie. There's a lot to like about it. The vibe of it, there's something special and timeless about it where it's like, it's really fun to see New York in that time. I do like the initial meeting of Holly Golightly and Paul and they do kind of weirdly become friends. And then it's like, oh, there's kind of a hint of something more, but you kind of don't want it. And then later you do. So over time, they kind of do develop a good friendship. I love whenever they go out and do things that they've never done before. That's probably the best sequence of the movie. But unfortunately, I think it's just, I don't know, it just feels too long. Everything around that is a bit of a slog. If they had just focused on their relationship, maybe it would have been better. But there's all these really weird subplots where like Holly is like visiting a mobster in jail and she doesn't realize that she's giving him tips on like the state of his business because it's in code and she's like been tricked essentially. And then there's her old husband who like married her when she was 14 and keeps trying to force her to come back home, and she's like, no, and then he's like, okay, and that's the end of that story. It's like, so then why was it in here at all? There's guys banging on her apartment saying,
1: I bought you drinks, I've got certain rights.
0: Yeah, so there's just so much fluff surrounding, I think, what could have been a decent romance story, and there are some funny moments, because Audrey Hepburn, I think, is super funny as Holly. I really liked her performance, but yeah, there's just too much surrounding uh, the main story, I feel like.
1: I did like that they tried to add elements to the story than just like a typical 1950s, 60s romance. Like the mod stuff, it's a lot of fluff, but at least it was like kind of a more interesting level to the story. Sure. But like you said, now it is two hours and you do feel every minute of it going back and watching it today. So this is the one that, that I submitted on
2: behalf of my sister, and she said that we were going to hate this one. But she did say one thing that I do agree with. She's like, you're going to love the party scene, which I oh, did. Yeah. I thought one of the funniest scenes so in the movie. Fun. <laughs> the party scene was so funny when it showed everybody getting drunk and like just throwing everybody around. People were like collapsing on the Crammed floor. Crammed in that,
0: into that small space. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I thought that was a hilarious scene. That was my favorite favorite moment of the entire movie. Uh, but one, one thing that kind of did get in my nerves throughout it was that uh, the, the fact that the uh, the writer. Paul. Yeah, Paul. It feels like he just like was almost too persistent at at times, where like she just kept telling him to like, "Hey, I have this. I'm gonna go marry this guy now. Oh, I have a husband over here. Uh, I have all this stuff going on." He he's like he's still stuck by her. I guess which makes sense. He was in love with her, but it just felt like it was going on too much. Where she kept having all this stuff come up, and she kept kind of telling him to screw off, and he just would never screw off. But did
1: you guys gonna kind of feel that like he was too persistent in a way? There's a lot of people in this movie not taking no for an answer Keith. So I did feel that. Mostly Mickey Rooney. <laughs> uh
0: yeah, I, I agree with you Keith. After the second guy that she's gonna marry that isn't you, you should probably take a step back. I feel like that's probably a good rule of thumb perhaps.
1: Yeah, we talked about at the beginning how chemistry and comedy are really key here. Uh crazy stupid love has chemistry just oozing off the off the screen with all of its characters. And it's so funny with Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone. So I I just got to go with what I enjoyed more overall. So I'll throw my vote for Crazy Stupid Love. I'll second you.
2: Yeah, I'm third on that.
1: All righty. Well, Crazy Stupid Love will go on to face the Princess Bride in the semifinal round.
0: All right. So let's move on in round two. We have 10 Things I Hate About You versus My Big Fat Greek Wedding. So 10 Things I Hate About You is from 1999, directed by Gil Junker, and it stars Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Larissa Olyank. It's a modern tale of Shakespeare's comedy, The Taming of the Shrew, retold in a late 1990s American high school setting. New student Cameron is smitten with Bianca, and in order to get around her father's strict rules on dating, he attempts to get bad boy Patrick Verona to date Bianca's ill-tempered sister, Kat. And guys, just to start us off here, last year we talked about 500 Days of Summer, and if you didn't think JGL was creepy in that... Woo! We haven't seen nothing yet.
1: <laughs> well, first of all, Matt, you, you ran through our cast there, but how dare you uh, leave off David Krumholtz from the Santa Claus? How dare uh, you? Bernard and Art, dude. <laughs> uh, Keith, we're, we're definitely going to get into 10 Things I Hate About You, but I wanted to give you time here to talk about my big fat Greek wedding, because we said we would give it its due in round two. Yeah, so... I had never
2: seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding before, and going into it and it first started out, I was like, oh, shit, I'm not going to like this movie at all. Me too.
1: <laughs> me too.
2: I thought it kind of started out kind of slow. I thought Ian was kind of like weird, and I thought the character Tula was kind of awkward. That actress played a great, awkward uh, character. I was like, oh, man, this is going to be a long movie. Um, But it I, I quickly turned on me. I started to really like it. I liked all the, the the Greek stuff, like her her dad and her mom and her whole family and how... And all the crazy stuff they were uh, kind of pushing on Ian. Like, what are you talking about? Your parents don't eat, or
0: you don't eat meat? That was what turned them against him. <laughs> Not that he wasn't Greek. <laughs> yeah. That was the part they couldn't stand.
2: All the uh, all the Greek traditions that they were bringing up, and that he was just kind of like, what is going on with this family? I thought that was all hilarious. And uh, just the chemistry th- with the whole family. And, and then with Tula and uh, Ian, I thought it was pretty, pretty believable. And it kind of grew on me as the movie went on. What I characterize this as a good romantic comedy yeah i guess so i, I didn't find them to be a lot of like romance in it really i thought it was more com- comedy than anything more like it's just a family kind of, kind of more meet the parents kind of feel to it that's kind of what i got out of it but i had a i had a ball watching this one
1: yeah i i do think the worst thing about my big fat greek wedding is its intro it takes a long time to get going um once she kind of goes to school the movie definitely takes off and picks up its pace from there and I, I do really like the Ian and Tula relationship. I, I like that everything else about the movie with her family and the wedding is over the top, but nothing about their relationship is over the top. It feels very normal, very natural, very kind of just like every day these two meet and they hit it off and then they have to deal with their crazy families. So I liked all those elements of my Big Fat Creek wedding. I do definitely agree, though, with you, Keith. It, it, it does take a while to get going. And there are some aspects that are, are a little bit slow about the movie.
0: Yeah, I think I'm mostly with you. I think after that intro that you talked about, once she kind of goes to school and meets Ian, it gets really exciting. And then the ending I thought was relatively strong. I do think in the second act, it started to drag a little bit with, like, all the hijinks, kind of like with the meet-the-parents type stuff that you talked about, Keith, where it's just like, okay, so now, Ian, you come meet my parents, and now I'm going to go meet your parents. And it's like, obviously, it's like different cultures, different backgrounds, so it doesn't work. And after a wh- I liked it for a little bit, and after a while, it started to drag. But what really carries us through this movie, like you guys both said, is just um, Nia Vardolos and John Corbett's chemistry. I mean, it's so normal which we don't get from rom-coms. Like, what's happening around them with their families and settings, that's what's really funny. But they're, like, a kind of a standout on this list because they have just a very normal, typical, good, solid relationship. There's nothing really funny about it it's just kind of romantic and fun and spontaneous
1: and there's no like weird drama with their relationship either there's drama for the outside stuff but their relationship is actually pretty healthy yeah they never do the bullshit thing where it's like at the end
0: of the second act john corbett like is like tula your family is so crazy i can't do this i can't marry you and then at the end of the third act like they he runs into like a church or something It's like we can i'm sorry we can do this they don't do that bullshit <laughs> yeah. trope. It's just like, no, they're actually surprisingly totally fine throughout the entire thing.
1: All right. So let's now transition and get into 10 things I hate about you. God, I love the cast in this movie. I, I first time seeing this one as well. And I had a blast. Um, I, I genuinely loved like every aspect of this movie. I thought it was super fun. Heath Ledger is uh, fantastic oh, in this movie. Oh, I, th- yeah. This is one of his like breakout roles, right, Matt? Yep. This was kind of the one that brought him out of, like,
0: Australian TV and movies into kind of the mainstream.
1: Uh, Julia Stiles, I think, is great as the lead as this, like, angsty teenager. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I think his intro in the movie and his first kind of first and second acts with him are very cringe. Oh. I do like later on though that the relationship actually ends up being kind of sweet. Yeah, there is definitely some cringy stuff with JGL in this one. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's he's a good actor, but he wasn't in this movie.
0: But I do like where his I do like where his story ends up. It kind of eventually finds a decent spot to be, but it takes a little bit to get there. I always like high school
2: movies that like days confused. It kind I kind of got that vibe from this one a little bit. Um, you know, just doing their normal high school parties and all that. It's Definitely had that that '90s feel to it, which I, which I enjoyed.
1: The soundtrack is kick-ass in this movie.
2: Yeah, for sure. And all the characters were just fun. I, I liked Heath Ledger's like bad boy character going with um Julia
1: Styles character. I really want to hang out with Heath Ledger's character in this movie. He's like the ultimate cool dude. I thought in this one. My favorite moment is still the iconic
0: moment where he like kind of wins her back by. Uh, singing the song over the loudspeakers on the field. And he's just like sprinting across all the stands, like evading cops and stuff like that.
1: Smacking one on the ass. I want you, baby.
0: Uh, so that was fun. And then, you know what? By the end, it's like, cause I guess the problem with this movie for me is I'm never really caring that much or rooting for JGL and Bianca's relationship. I like, you know, actually I shouldn't say I don't, I don't like his performance at all in this movie. I think he's terrible. Uh, but I liked Larissa Oliang's performance. I thought she was good. And by the end, it's like, OK, I guess they're together. That's fine. OK. But I do kind of you, you do find yourself getting invested with Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger. Like it's kind of the same thing with the with like the bet thing from uh, how does the guy in 10 days? It's like it's kind of this weird thing. You feel bad, like because it's like from a third party, he totally went about this in a gross way. But then you also genuinely believe that he is falling for her despite that over time. So it's like, oh, come on, work it out, please. And I never expected from like a really funny movie like this that like they would have that serious like titular poem, 10 Things I Hate About You, where she's like talking about how much she hates him for what he did to her, but she like, can't help but love him anyway. And like then it cuts to Heath Ledger and he's like crying and it's like, oh, my God, it's like kind of a powerful <laughs> moment. And then like he comes outside and they reconcile whenever he buys their the guitar, it's Like, ah, I got to say, like, I don't care about much in this movie in terms of characters. I think most of them are fun. But the Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger, like, that's actually like, a pretty interesting relationship to follow, I feel like.
1: I think that's a good call out, too, because it is the main relationship of the movie. And, and I'm totally with you. I was, I was rooting for their relationship for the duration of the film. The thing I like about the bet aspect is it's like still kind of like an innocent thing. Like It's not great, but it, is, it does feel like a very high school thing. Like, hey, take out the angry girl or see if you can get a date with the angry girl. Um, and I, I do genuinely believe that they fall for each other, despite yeah. the way the relationship kind of started out. And by the end, I like how you don't really know what happens. Like They reconcile, but what, what happens beyond that, I don't know. It, it just fits very, it fits very well with like the high school theme.
2: It feels like Heath Ledger, yeah, he was taking the money in the beginning, but then he f- quickly fell for it. He's like, if this douchebag is still stupid enough to pay me anyway, I'm just going to let him keep paying me because he deserves it just because he's an asshole.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's time to vote, my friends. So uh, who wants to start us off now? I don't, I don't know. If
0: you guys feel strongly, maybe one of you guys should go.
1: I feel pretty strongly about 10 things. I genuinely had a blast of this one. So I'll, uh, I'll throw my vote to 10 things I hate about you.
0: Yeah, I could definitely see myself
2: wanting to watch this one again. Good high school uh, flick. Um, so yeah, I'll go
0: and vote for that one as well. All right. Well, there you go. I think maybe I feel a little bit more strongly about My Big Fat Greek Wedding, but I don't think too strong that I would vote for it over 10 things. I definitely, <laughs> it's weird. I think I have more issues with 10 things, but I think overall with like kind of everything that's going on, there's more fun elements. There's more romance elements, which I kind of feel like my big fat Greek wedding, like the main relationship is romantic and then everything going on for like the rest of the hour and a half. It's kind of funny with like the family stuff, but there's a little bit of drag. So I think maybe I'll go with 10 things as well.
1: All righty. Well, 10 things I hate about you. We'll move
0: on to the semifinal round. All right. So going into the problematic section of the bracket once again. We have Clueless from 1995. It's directed by Amy Heckerling. It stars Alicia Silverstone, Stacey Dash, Brittany Murphy, and Paul Rudd. This one, of course, is about Cher Horowitz, who is a mean, spoiled brat that makes people not be themselves, doesn't give normal people the time of day, makes weird, racist, and homophobic comments, and falls in love with her ex-stepbrother that's in college while she's 16.
1: So my only question is, uh, were the screenwriters arrested for this? Uh, okay, so... Matt and I were texting about this week while we were preparing for this movie, (laughs) and uh, we couldn't decide where to put Clueless until we both watched it. And then immediately we were like, yep, that one belongs in the problematic bracket.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man, they really do hammer home that he's her ex-stepbrother.
1: And in college, and she is 15 turning 16.
0: That's the problem. It's like, okay, it's the ex-stepbrother. That's really fucking weird, but they do set up that they don't know each other, so it's like okay, I guess maybe they'll get together. I don't know if I like that. But then the added element, Austin, you're right, is like, even if you were on board with that, you can't be on board with like, I'm 16 and Paul Rudd's in college. I love him.
1: 15 going on 16. She's still got her learner's well, that's permit. That's a little weird. Yeah, she failed. So now,
0: ugh, what does that leave her?
1: I thought
2: Cher was so freaking annoying the entire time. All of her friends were annoying. Dion's boyfriend was annoying. Donald Faison, (laughs) Turk, Turk Turk. from Scrubs. Yes, yeah. The other guy, Christian, really annoying. Paul Rudd was creepy. It's like, dude, you're like what, twenty two years old, and you're going after what I thought. I was watching this with my sister, and I was like, how old is she? She's fifteen. She's in driver's (laughs) ed school. She's like what, fifteen, right? And he's in college. Like he's like he's about to be a lawyer. What is going on here?
1: I was unclear too about how their like blood ties factored in because i thought they were half brother yeah. and sister and so the a whole movie i was creeped yeah. out and then they had to do extra reading and find out oh their stepbrother and sister not any better in any way but they didn't explain no, that well. yeah you're no, so right Keith.
0: because while i guess technically the step thing would be better they don't explain it in the movie there's just one line at the beginning whenever paul rudd's like eating out of her fridge and she's like oh it's you again And then it's like the dad walks in and and he and Pollard makes a reference like, yeah, you know, our dad was like, because he calls him dad. But then he follows that up by saying they were like my mom and him were married for like five minutes, but he still calls him dad.
1: Matt, I know you had some issues with the proposal in round one. So why don't you tell me what you think about the proposal versus Clueless?
0: Well, I did have issues with the proposal, but not the same issues as Clueless, I would say. (laughs) I think Clueless gets off to a pretty good start because it kind of feels like they're going to have this fun arc for Cher's character. I honestly thought like the main plot of the movie was going to be like, oh, she's making over this new girl and has to discover along the way. It was like, I shouldn't be like forcing this thing on people. I shouldn't force them to, like, see people because, like, Ty meets this nice skater guy. It's like, oh, they should be together. And then Wallace Shawn from Princess Bride's also in this. And, like, they set her up, or they set him up, I should say, with their math teacher. And, of course, like it's under bad pretenses. It's like, we want to get better grades. But it feels like it could go in kind of a fun direction, like, character-wise. And there could be a fun arc. But I'll tell you, there certainly wasn't one. Not that I could find. The only arc that Paul Rudd was looking for was like the arc of from age 16 to 18. That's where he was really getting excited. Um, but in the proposal, I did not have the same issues. And so I'm going to vote for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. If we were just doing a problematic racket. Clueless would win hands down. It'd be fantastic. My favorite film. Just to be slightly positive about Clueless, I do like how it kind of feels like a period piece. Like they do capture the 90s nostalgia very well in this movie. Um, that's really the only thing I enjoyed about this one. I think Cher is a terrible character. I think Paul Rudd's a creep. Um, I thought Cher was going to have some sort of character growth, but by the end of the movie, she's the exact same person she was at the beginning. She's just with her stepbrother. <laughs> <laughs> so my vote will definitely be the proposal.
2: Yeah, the only character I liked in Clueless was Breckin Me Myers, too. Of, tra- of Travis. I thought he was hilarious. He was cool. He's a nice dude. And he didn't mean any harm to anybody. He just wants to
0: skate, bro.
2: Yeah. And he was just like, hey, let me look at your like your pictures. Like He liked her her art that she drew. And he was just like all innocent. And they were just shitty to him <laughs> yeah. the whole time.
1: I <laughs> felt really bad for his character. I was hoping Ty was going to get dropped off the railing at the mall. <laughs> uh but yeah easy vote for
2: me proposal for sure
1: all right well the proposal will go on to face 10 things i hate about you in the semifinals and to kick off our semifinals we have the princess bride versus crazy stupid love
0: i mean i still feel like guys the princess bride is a classic and i know it may not have been as hard for the princess bride to beat definitely maybe i'll say i'm still feeling strongly but do you think this matchup makes it any harder for you
1: I think this is a harder matchup because The Princess Bride is a classic, but I would say Crazy Stupid Love is a modern classic.
0: I agree. How about we start with Steve Carell's son harassing his babysitter? <laughs> 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 I love you, Jessica. <laughs> I don't know who's
1: creepier, him or yeah, Jessica. Yeah, I can't decide. Harassing I Steve Carell.
2: Decide. She's pretty creepy, too. Ugh.
1: I think what I'll shout out here is, like I said in the last round, I, I really do. Ind- I really did enjoy the, the characters and the way they fit into the story of The Princess Bride. I do think, though, Crazy Stupid Love has better chemistry and makes me laugh more often than The Princess Bride does. I actually don't really laugh that much in Crazy Stupid Love.
0: I think um, when the jokes are there, it's fun. I like, like I said previously, Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling's. Their back and forth, I think, is really the reason to watch this movie. But the reason I love something like The Princess Bride is because it gives me that British comedy feel even though it's not really a British movie and Rob Reiner the director isn't British. So it has like the About Time that like that dry British humor which comes out of nowhere. That's what I love about it so much. It's just like you're watching it like I said and it's like oh yeah this is kind of a romantic fantasy story that a grandfather is telling his grandson, but where's the comedy? And then it just comes in with, like, the Indigo character and Andre the Giant as Fezzik and stuff like that. And it's so... I don't know. As I've gotten older, the comedic moments really hit a lot harder for me. I was laughing out loud this time. And I think it's because I never really picked up on the British humor as a kid. So while I do really like Crazy Stupid Love and it is funny um, and there are, like, romantic elements, I, I really do think the main one is Steve Crow and Julianne Moore. I think I like Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, but basically she gets really drunk because she's mad at Josh Groban, and then she goes and makes out with Ryan Gosling, and then they get together at his place, and then it's a weird thing where like, they cut like weeks later, where Steve Carell keeps trying to call him, and then he just shows up at his house, and like, they're boyfriend girlfriend, so it was lacking a little bit, whereas, I don't know, Princess Bride, I think for me, is kind of the whole package, but I do love Crazy Stupid Love, so it does make it tough.
1: I think what you called out there, Matt, is actually the thing that's putting Crazy Stupid Love ahead for me is with The Princess Bride. I know there are moments that are funny and I know why people would think they are funny and it's like, oh, I should be laughing here. This is kind of funny. But I'm not like physically laughing. I just know yeah. it's something that is funny. Whereas with Crazy Stupid Love, Steve Carell genuinely makes me laugh out loud in this movie. And so I think that is what will put it ahead for me. I guess it's up to you then, Keith. Because I mean, I'm definitely voting for one. The Princess Bride. So not to put pressure on you, but. And I'm definitely voting for Crazy Stupid Love. Ugh.
0: <laughs> Sorry Keith.
1: Uh, 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 <laughs> no. Oh man, I love both these movies. Which one do you watch every day of every year, Keith?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean to be honest, like as a, I think more in my youth I watched uh Princess Bride, but more getting more into my young adulthood I watched more Crazy Stupid Love.
1: I watched Crazy Stupid Love as a youth to get tips on how to hit on my babysitter. Oh. Ugh. <laughs> I love the characters in Princess Bride.
2: I love the comedy in it. Uh, And then Crazy Stupid Love, it's more of like a character comedic thing with me. Like, I love Steve Steve Carell in the bar and the way he's like so awkward and all that. Him and Julianne Moore, I think, have a pretty good chemistry. And and like you said, Austin, I I love that scene whenever he just jumps out of the car as they're moving. When she starts telling him they had an affair. Man, it's so hard to choose. I like both these movies. But I know I have to choose one. You do. I think I'll go with Crazy Stupid Love. Ugh. Wow. By
1: an inch. Wow. God. By an inch. Damn.
2: I know. I'm, I'm pretty no sure athlete.
1: Keith called The Princess Bride a classic last round. I, and I have never in my life seen Keith Baker go against a classic. It's <laughs> definitely
2: a classic. Crazy Stupid Love's a classic too, though, for me. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'll go with it, not because it's more modern, but because I guess it kind of fills that romantic comedy formula a little bit better than Princess Bride I don't I don't always think of it as a romantic comedy I think of it more as like an action comedy sometimes with a romantic in the background uh where Crazy Stupid Love is just a straight romantic comedy
1: I think that's a good point but the Princess Bride you have a lot of funny kind of slapstick moments but you don't really have like the relationship between Buttercoat and Wesley it's already established when the movie starts all right. Well, Crazy Stupid Love will go on to the finals, and to find out what it will be facing in the finals, we now have Ten Things I Hate About You versus The Proposal. For me, The Proposal is one I've seen countless times. I've always really enjoyed this one. It's always made me laugh. I think Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock are fantastic here. Ten Things I Hate About You, I think, is just a really all around fantastic movie, and I think all the performances are great. I think the story is a lot better than it is in The Proposal, and. I think the relationship between Julia Stiles and Heath Ledger has a lot more to offer than the relationship between Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock.
0: Yeah, I think kind of how you were just talking, Keith, about how Crazy Stupid Love was more of a straight rom-com, which kind of helps you give it the vote. I think I might actually go the opposite in general, which is I appreciate when something still feels like a rom-com, but it kind of does something different. And while The Proposal, I think, is a strong rom-com in that sense that it follows the formula... I think I might vote for something like 10 things. Do I like it more? Do I laugh more? Is it more romantic? I'm not sure, but I think it's super different. And there's more to look at that is strong along the way that made me laugh. Like even little things like Larry Miller playing their dad, I think (laughs) while he's so ridiculous, he's making me laugh. So I think there's more to look at here. And um, yeah, I like the proposal, but I think 10 things might inch it out just by doing a little bit more and making me laugh more. And, By the end, I literally like that Julia Stiles
1: and uh, Heath Ledger romance. All right. Well, I'm going to lock it in then and I'll vote for 10 things. I've locked it in as well. Same here. All right. Unanimously, 10 things I hate about you. We'll move on to our final round of this bracket. We'll be facing Crazy Stupid Love. Uh, Crazy Stupid Love made it here with some division between the three of us. But 10 things is here unanimously. How's it going to shake out this time around?
0: Yeah, I'll say as the guy that was the dissenting vote with Crazy Stupid Love... I'm in that fun place in the bracket that I do actually like being because it makes it a lot more interesting for me, which is I don't really feel super strongly about either of these. Uh, There's stuff earlier in the bracket that I would have fought for and fought harder. But now that I'm in the finals with two movies that I enjoy, but definitely don't love, I don't know where to go. So as guys that kind of voted for both of these unanimously along the way, how are you feeling?
1: I have one I feel particularly strongly about. Oh, okay, okay. Uh and that's 10 things I hate about you. I think like you said that this just does something different than the traditional rom-coms. Um you get the comedy with the dad and some of Julia Stiles rants, then you also get the sweet romance between Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles. But then overall there's this kind of like interesting uh just subplot with JGL's um trying to romance the younger daughter, but then there's got this weird rules with the dad and I think the way the whole thing kind of comes together and the way each character plays their part in the story is really fun and interesting. Um, the soundtrack is kick ass. It's got that great nostalgia feel from the, from the early 2000s, late 90s. Overall, I had the best time with 10 Things I Hate About You than any other movie in this bracket. So it will definitely be getting my vote.
0: Interesting. So I was going to say, I, do, I mean, Crazy Stupid Love, I think equally kind of fits the bill as a rom-com that is also different formula wise, too. So maybe in a weird way, these kind of make sense as the finals going up against each other because they don't fit the mold, which maybe makes them more fun in a weird way. 10 things Had about you, though, I think was if we had like the most surprising one out of all
2: these, this one would definitely take it for me. I like the whole high school dynamic about it. Like all these kids are kind of new to like r- love and romance. They're all trying to um, just find their way and they're all kind of awkward. Awkwardness is always funny to me. The teachers are funny. Like the dad is hilarious. Yeah, I, I think I really just enjoyed the characters and the overall story of 10 things Had about you.
1: Let me ask you guys this, because I think we've got the comedy box for sure checked with both of these movies. So the, yeah. the only other criteria that leaves is, is chemistry. Where are you leaning in regards to chemistry for Crazy Stupid Love or 10 Things?
0: That's where I was just going to jump in. I think it's way better in Crazy Stupid Love. I think you get a great romance side of the rom-com elements and you get some good chemistry with Julia Stiles, but everybody else's in that movie isn't good. I don't think JGL and Larissa Oliank have good chemistry. Uh, I don't really like those characters either. So by the end, it's like okay, I get they've, that they've grown, but I don't really care. Whereas in Crazy Stupid Love, I think it's funny along the way, maybe not as funny, but still funny, and you get really great chemistry in a different way because it's an it's a ex-husband and ex-wife with Steve Carell and Julianne Moore. But watching them together, it's it's honestly kind of emotional. It's it's funny, but it's also sad. And like watching him on the phone when she surprisingly calls him just because he has an urge to go home and water his plants. And then she calls him when she doesn't actually need his help. She just wants to hear his voice, and he's watching. Is like really this like poignant moment. And then even though I commented earlier that I wish we could have seen more of like the evolution of the boyfriend girlfriend relationship between Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, their chemistry is incredible. I mean, there's no. It's not shocking that they went on to do like two or three other movies together because they're so good. And then even watching like the main plot of the movie is like Steve Carell gets coached by Ryan Gosling to. Learn to be more confident and like be uh, able to talk to women. And his relationship with them is kind of fun too. It's never weird. I mean, his like fun back and forth with Marissa Tomei is super enjoyable to watch. Even though that's a different element of romance, it still was enjoyable. So I would say to that question, Austin, that Crazy Stupid Love gave me way more of the romance because I only cared about one relationship in Ten Things I Hate About You.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with the, with anything you said there. I think. For me, 10 Things just does more with the story in addition to the chemistry and the comedy. Mm-hmm. So are you locking it in for Crazy Stupid Love than that? That was a pretty passionate uh, ramble about Crazy Stupid Love.
0: Yeah, I got to say, it's a passionate argument for a movie that I enjoyed, but definitely did not think would make it this far in the bracket. So as much as I've loved 10 Things I Hate About You since I was a kid, I think as I've gotten older, I think I might appreciate something
1: like Crazy Stupid Love a bit more. So I'll go ahead and lock in my vote. Are you as passionate about Crazy Stupid Love as the kid is about his babysitter?
0: No, I would hope to never be as passionate about something (laughs) as that.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay, Keith, you once again have the swing vote here. Uh, We have one vote for Crazy Stupid Love. We have one vote for 10 things I hate about you. Which way are you leaning? I don't know. I really hate when Keith has power on this show. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it too. (laughs) It's uncomfortable.
2: (sighs) I think I know where I'm leaning. But, like, again, it's, it's just a, it's just by a thread. I think I'm going to have to end off with Crazy Stupid Love. Whoa! It's always been a, a favorite of mine. And I think it definitely just fits that rom-com bill and formula. Uh, I like both Steve Carell and Julianne Moore's relationship. I like Ryan Reynolds and Emma Stone's relationship. While the kid and the babysitter is creepy, <laughs> it, it's, 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 still a, it's still a comedic moment. Same with her being creepy with Steve Carell. Still a comedic moment. And the whole David Lindenhagen and the dad coming at the end was hilarious. 10 Things I Hate About You, I think it's more, it's going to have to sit with me for a while, but still, it's at the top here, obviously. And I think Keith Ledger and Julia Stiles killed it. But I think Crazy Stupid Love is going to take it uh, just a little
1: bit more. All righty. Well, congratulations to Crazy Stupid Love. You've received plenty of accolades in the past, but you have never won an artist podcast bracket until this very moment. So congratulations. And also, have to shout out Keith's sister, Marcel, for both of her
0: picks making it to That's the true. finals. Wow.
1: Uh, but also, two of
0: her picks got the horrific tag. They did. As well. Fairly, I would say. Oh, leap year. Oh. All right, guys. So congratulations, like Awesome, said, to Crazy Stupid Love for earning the Best Romantic Comedy winner of 2022. But Keith and Austin, before we get out of here, I have to ask perhaps the easiest question I've ever asked you. And when we did our inaugural Best Romantic Comedy Movie Bracket in the Year of Our Lord 2021, we awarded, spoiler alert, About Time the winner. Does Crazy Stupid Love beat About Time for you?
1: Not for me, but I, I would actually love to see a bracket with About Time included uh, with Crazy Stupid Love. I thought it was going to be a more resounding no, but I'll go ahead and give the resounding no then, because
0: <laughs> no way. What about you, Keith? Yeah, I think About Time still takes it. Rachel McAdams can do no wrong.
1: Well, Matt, I wanted to ask you, because you felt very strongly about the Princess Bride. Do you think the Princess Bride should have been in the finals?
0: Yeah, I thought that was the easy winner of this bracket. In fact, I actually moved the brackets around yesterday to have um, the winner of the most romantic and most comedic not go up against each other, because I thought it was going to be such like an easy way for Princess Bride to win the entire thing. So I was like, if I switch things a little bit, I think it'll make the entire bracket more interesting. Um, And I think overall it did, so maybe I got what I wanted, but I'm still shocked that the Princess Bride didn't go to the finals. That would have won it all for me, and I will say it would have won it pretty easily.
1: I was pretty shocked that Matt went with the proposal over how to lose with the guy in 10 days. I thought for sure 10 days was moving on.
0: Yeah. I don't think that would have changed anything after that. 10 days would have had to beat out Clueless. I guess so, yeah. But it definitely would not have made it to the finals after that, I don't think. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening. If you enjoy this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss our upcoming content. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well. Even if you don't want to write anything, leaving us a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts it really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and the TheArnie's.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday to discuss the full season of The Book of Boba Fett since the finale is about to come out. Guys, any interest? Are you excited for
1: that? I fell off the Book of Boba Fett hard after episode one, so I've got some binging to do. I gotta say, I was not impressed with that premiere, though. Uh-oh. I
2: think it gets better as it goes on. Um,
1: I'm a big fan of it right now. In addition to the Book of Boba Fett, we will also be talking about Peacemaker in a few weeks, so we've got some more TV content coming up soon, and... Matt, I've got some big news for you. I don't think Morbius has been rescheduled. So it looks like we will be doing Morbius next month. Your favorite movie of all time. Uh,
0: Jared Leto will win Best Picture. The director will win Best Director. And Morbius will win Best... It's actually going to transcend the Oscars. It's like they can't just give it Best Picture. It has to get Best Picture of all time. Do you guys remember when we need the Best Best Picture bracket? This is going to beat Amadeus and whatever else was up against it. <laughs>
1: In order for our prediction to come true this year, Matt, we need Morbius to win Best Picture, but we need Dwayne Johnson to win Best Actor It'll happen.
0: Easy bet. Easy. There's no way that won't happen.
2: <laughs> All right. Lastly, we want to hear from you. So please send us a message on Instagram at The Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Send us your favorite rom-com movies and let us know if you think we picked the right winner. Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode.
0: That's right. With that, everybody, have a great rest of your week. We'll be back next time with the Book of Boba Fett. See you next time.
1: See you. If you and your love interest are living under the same roof, calling the same male figure dad, do not try to pursue that person in a romantic fashion. Please don't.